1: Hello everyone and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, February the 10th, 2020 on today's show. We have got a packed one for you. It is game week for Carolina baseball and this is the official 2020 preview show for South Carolina baseball. I will break down the Gamecocks upcoming season in its entirety including key losses from last year pitching, hitting, the weekend rotation, my starting nine, the projected lineup, give my official prediction for the Gamecocks 2020 baseball season, and much, much more. Also, we're talking South Carolina on the hardwood. South Carolina getting a big 74-54 to 54 win over the Texas a and Aggies. I'll break down the game in its entirety, just what it means as the Gamecocks look to string, string together a couple of Ws and make their way towards an NCAA tournament berth. Also, We're talking football. Coaching staff changes. Three different coaches, on-field coaches, are gone from South Carolina now. And Matt Lindsey's going to Ole Miss. I'll talk about just what does it mean for the Gamecocks. What does it mean for Gamecocks football for the future of the program? I'll give my full thoughts on that as well. Also, we have a fantastic interview with Kendall Rogers at D1Baseball.com as he actually joins me to help break down the upcoming season. Opening day is Friday, ladies and gentlemen. And Kendall Rogers is on this show, is on this podcast one of the best in the business with what he does with D1Baseball.com. He helps me break down this Gamecocks baseball season in its entirety. As Again, we get closer and closer just four days away from opening day. Before we get into everything, this is a podcast sent to you by our friends over at New Ground Hard Nitro Lattes. Guys, this drink is absolutely amazing. I want to start there. If you're a big coffee drinker like me, this is a phenomenal drink. They have two flavors, cafe latte and chai latte, which have 5% alcohol. So, guys, it's enough to enjoy casually, but also if you want to turn up, you want to have a good time, you want to have it at the party, you want to have it at the tailgate with your friends, whatever it might be, it is the perfect drink for any occasion, again, with 5% alcohol. Like I said, the things taste absolutely amazing, guys. Trust me. I've drank enough of them to know they are phenomenal, and there's actually a reason for that. They're actually made with real coffee and tea, natural flavors, real sugar, they're imported from Holland, they're GMO-free, and they actually has naturally occurring caffeine in the cafe latte flavor, or you can go with the chai latte if you want to do a caffeine-free version. Guys, these things taste just like coffee. You can't even taste the alcohol in them. It is a delicious beverage that you can have, a delicious adult beverage that, again, you can enjoy any time at all. You can find the drinks all over the Southeast, from South Ghana, North Ghana, Georgia, Florida, uh, in stores you're going to be familiar with, like Harris Teeter. Publix, Total Wine, Trader Joe's, Food Lion, among others. Guys, if you can't find it, ask for it because these guys are everywhere and they are taking over. Guys, if you want to learn more, I encourage you to check out their website, drinknewground.com. Also, be sure to follow them on Instagram at face and Facebook at Drink Newground for new happenings and everything that's going on with Newground. Again, that's our friends, Newground Hard Nitro Lattes, imported from Holland. Be sure to check them out. Drinknewground.com or Instagram and Facebook at Drink Newground. Let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Spurs Up Show. I'm Chris Phillips, your host, as always. Overvice having a fantastic Monday. Boy, do we have a packed and I mean packed show for you on this Monday? We're literally talking everything: baseball, basketball, football. We got some women's basketball, everything to touch on. I'm extremely excited. Appreciate you guys taking your time to join us today on this Monday. As you can probably see or tell, whatever it is, a lot has changed, but it's still the same, if you will. A lot of upgrades, enhancements. We are stepping up big time. A couple of housekeeping items I want to touch on really, really quickly. First off, I mentioned it on Friday, and you're probably seeing the graphic on social media today. The Spurs Up show opening day tailgate. Friday outside of Founders Park at Image Inc. right outside the right field fence, if you're familiar with that. 12 p.m. until first pitch We will be out there set up with a tent, food, drinks, giveaways, everything you can think of. Going to be a blast. 12 to first pitch, live pregame show from 2 to 3, breaking down the game against Holy Cross, obviously, and really just the 2020 season, opening weekend. Going to be a blast. Going to have some former Gamecocks, former Gamecock baseball players coming out there as well. Should be a lot of fun, guys. I'm extremely excited. Again, if you're going to be out, you're going to be around 12 until first pitch it's going to be a big party it's going to be a good time and again two to three going to be streaming uh, the pregame show I should have mentioned live on Periscope so we'll be streaming for that hour going to have like I said guests rolling through we're going to be doing interviews we're going to be chatting before the game it is going to be a blast going to be a lot of fun would love to have you guys come join us again free drinks going to have food out there as well going to be doing giveaways got some swag giveaway some merch to give away very, very, very excited. Again, outside the right field fence at Image, Inc. You literally cannot miss it. Going to be right there. Also, again, you probably already noticed this, but I'm going to go ahead and mention it. The podcast, full podcast now available on YouTube. You guys can probably see a little bit of a different setup. We've got the TV now behind me uh, with the New Ground logo there. I'm really, really excited about that. I already released the video uh, on the NewGround sponsorship, which again I'm going to touch on it again in just a second, but the podcast you can now find it. Obviously, it was on there before with just the audio. Now we have the video incorporation as well. I'm really, really excited about that. And the people that tune into the podcast on YouTube, I really appreciate you as well. Um, also, like I just mentioned, new sponsor, NewGround Hard Nitro Lattes. Obviously, give those guys a huge shout out. You know, I released the video already on Friday, so I'm not going to rehash and necessarily go over everything I already said in that video, but extremely excited um the a, a truly a game-changing partnership i won't go into crazy crazy amounts of detail but guys a game-changing partnership enhancing everything that i do and everything we provide to you guys but also going to be bringing you a lot more remote stuff a lot more live type stuff i'm really 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 excited about it the potential what's going to happen we truly are breaking in a new ground and we truly are taking this thing to the next level and i really do appreciate those guys believing in me and i'm just super excited obviously we're hitting the ground running we've got the new setup we've got the tailgate friday we are hitting the ground running and i really really do appreciate i want to say i truly appreciate you guys the love support everything you guys do as far as the supporting on your end it would not be possible without you so thank you thank you thank you thank you from the bottom of my heart so much um also one last thing while we're on the on the subject of housekeeping items Guys, if you have not done so, click the pause button, whether you're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever it might be. Rate the podcast five stars. Leave your thoughts. Leave your feedback. It helps boost up the show. And, again, if there's anything you want to get across, anything you want to say about the pod, that's the place to do it. Go leave a review. But please go leave five stars for the show. Also, if you're not subscribed and you're tuned in, whether you're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Or if you are on YouTube, smash that subscribe button as well, wherever you are. Be sure you are subscribed to the Spurs Up Show. Again, daily podcast, Monday through Friday, you're going to get the notifications so you never miss out on a podcast. All right, let's talk some Carolina baseball. Before we do, though, you guys didn't think Ag South Farm Credit was going anywhere, did you? They're obviously still a very proud partner and sponsor of the Spurs Up Show. And this show, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Ag South Farm Credit. guys. Most lenders don't understand land financing. Ag South Farm Credit specializes in land financing and has been doing it for over 100 years. They make loans for small and large acreage, hunting property, timberland, farm and pasture land, even home mortgages and construction. They have a ton of great benefits, including long-term fixed rate financing for up to 20 years. Down payments as low as 15%. They have competitive rates and they pay an average of 25% of the interest back every year as what they call Patronage. They're cooperative, so they share in their profits with their member borrowers. So, guys, for example, on a $300,000 loan at 6.5% for 20 years, you would get back $2,770 each year. They have an experienced lending staff that knows land and knows how to finance. So, guys, whenever you're making a big time life decision, especially when it's buying land or you're getting a mortgage, you're making a decision of that magnitude, you want to make sure you have the right people in your corner, the right support system. Ag South Farm Credit simply put is that lender that's going to take take that situation going to take that process I should say and make it super simple for you super easy and alleviate all the stress you might have. They're going to be there with you every single step of the way holding your hand answering any questions that you may have. One of the questions Ag South Farm Credit gets most often, the name has farm credit in it are you just for farmers? So Not at all. Their mission is to support rural America, and that can include just about anything that involves the purchase of land. So, guys, a lot of their customers are those that just want a piece of property outside of the town they can live on. So, again, guys, you do not have to be a farmer. Literally, anyone can benefit from Ag South Farm Credit services. If you have any more questions on exactly what Ag South Farm Credit can do, give them a call 844 Ag South or visit their website, slash TSUS. Again, that's A G S O U T H. FC.com slash T-S-U-S, AgSouth and Equal Housing Lender, NMLS 619788. So again, their website, agsouthfc.com slash T-S-U-S, or give them a call, 844-AG-South, and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sends you. All right, like I said, let's jump right into it. We have finally made it, folks. It is game week. We are just four days away from... From opening day, you see I've got the baseball in my hand. I'm so excited to talk some ball. I'm very, very fired up. A long fall and spring of scrimmages has finally concluded. Thank God. As much as I love going out there and watching the scrimmages, we finally get to see Carolina suit up and play against somebody else, which I'm very much looking forward to, obviously. Let's jump right into it. Let's start by looking back at 2019. Uh, Obviously, it was a very forgettable year. Uh, Let's just start there. 28-28 overall. 8-22 8-22 and 22 in conference. When you take a look at the key losses from that team a year ago, these names come up. Right-handed pitcher, Reed Morgan, obviously was your Friday guy. Started out in the Sunday role when Carmen Majenski went down. Read what he did for this ball club, it's beyond words. A phenomenal year by Reed Morgan. Catcher Luke Berryhill, who basically was your catcher every single game a year ago. First baseman Chris Cullen. Third baseman and outfielder Jacob Olsen and right handed pitcher Sawyer Bridges. Those are the main losses. Obviously, you have other guys like Jonah Beeman and Nick Neville, but out of the starters, the guys who contributed for you, and also TJ Hopkins, a major, major name that I wanted to save for the very end because let's save the best for last. TJ Hopkins is a big one, a guy. How is South Carolina going to replace him? Mr. Gamecock, in my mind, number five. I'll be very interested to see how they can replace him. But again, Those are the main guys you lost from last year's team a year ago. Outside of that, everybody is back. Everybody is back. And I know this team has a lot of newcomers. You're looking about 50-50 as far as newcomers and returnees, but a lot of talent on this squad. I want to start on the pitching side of things. I'm going to go through, kind of give you guys my thoughts on pitching, hitting, and then I'll kind of go through and give you my projected weekend rotations, the lineup, stuff like that. But starting with pitching, I mean, I think the lead storyline of this pitching rotation and this staff as a whole is just simply put – the return of Carmen Maginsky. Guys, Carmen Maginsky, you're going to hear a lot more about later in this podcast. And we talk about with Kendall Rogers his thoughts on Carmen Maginsky. I think Carmen Maginsky might be the biggest storyline of this entire team. To me, this team will go as Carmen Maginsky goes. You know, he's been a guy that's been, you know, heralded. All, all the accolades, top 10, uh, top, top 10 MLB prospect for the 2020 season of college draft eligible players. Um, a guy who's been put on preseason All-American teams and had a lot of different accolades. For South Carolina to have the year it wants to have, especially within the pitching staff, but as a whole, in my opinion, Carmen Majenski has to throw like that dude. He's got to throw like that All-American. Um, you know, Watching him throughout the fall, throughout the spring, the stuff is there. I, I mean, 95 to 97 with the fastball, sitting more now, 94, 95, but touching 97 with the fastball He's added a cutter. The breaking ball is there. The changeup is a plus change-up. The stuff is there. He's got big-time Friday night stuff. There was a reason he was in that role a year ago. Simply put, he needs to stay healthy, and he needs to pitch up to those expectations. You know, even when he was healthy last year, those couple of starts, he only threw 10 innings, but did not look like the guy South Carolina fans hoped for. Again, it was early in the season, take it you know, for what it's worth, take it for what it is. But I think Carmen is poised for a big year. I think he's going to have a big year. But I think for this South Carolina baseball team to reach its goals in 2020, for it to have the type of year it wants to have, Carmen is absolutely essential to this baseball team. He's the most important player on this baseball team in my mind. So what will he do? The return of Carmen is so big for this team. Um, The other big storyline for me, or another big storyline – I think going into the season just simply is who is the Sunday guy? You know, I think for the most part, the roles are pretty well established with this, with this group. Um, you know, I'll talk about the weekend rotation in just a second, obviously minus the Sunday guy, but I think the back end of the bullpen set with Trangali, Lawson, Lloyd, I think you've got a lot of other options. This pitching staff has a lot more depth than it had a year ago, which is truly a blessing for these guys, truly a blessing. You have a limited number of innings and a bunch of quality arms you can throw out there, but Who is the Sunday guy? You know, I I think that's a question we will see get answered over the first couple of weekends. Um, I think guys like Brandon Jordan, Andrew Peters, uh, you know, maybe maybe Trey Turgis. There's a couple different guys that I think are going to get that opportunity. They're going to get looks as far as that Sunday role is concerned. But who is going to fill that role? I'll be interested to see, number one, who Coach Kingston names his Sunday guy starting out, but number two, sort of who steps up and takes the role? Because I don't really feel like through fall or spring there was one guy that really that really jumped out the way Karma Majinski and Brett Carey did as far as taking the weekend, starters, uh, weekend starter spots. But whoever takes that Sunday role, I'll be very curious because, again, that's something you want to have figured out. I mean, by what, the third or fourth weekend? I think the third weekend, you play the Clemson Tigers. You want to have your Sunday guy established at that point. And obviously, when you get an SEC play, you need to have your Sunday guy established. I'll be very curious to see who they roll out there on Sundays. I I just talked about another huge storyline for me, the back end of the bullpen. I I think the Gamecocks are as well set off in the back end as they have been in quite a while. Now, I'm not saying there aren't guys back there that don't need to prove themselves. Um, But I love the setup that they have right now. This is what I'm projecting. I think Cam Tringali is going to be your middle relief seventh inning guy. I think he fits in very well to that role. I think in the eighth inning spot is going to be Graham Lawson. Um, did not pitch it all a year ago, returning from arm injury. But watching him in the scrimmages, you know, the fall he looked pretty good. But especially in the spring, looks like a guy that yes, he needs to be a little bit sharper. He needs to locate his breaking ball, his, his off-speed stuff. His Mark Kingston is well-sighted, but the stuff is there, guys. I mean, he's sitting 95 miles an hour right now. Looks just as good, in my opinion, as he did before the injury. Um, looks just as good as he did before the injury. So I'm very, very excited for the value that Graham Lawson can provide to this bullpen and this pitching staff as a whole. And I think your closer, Danny Lloyd. I-, I think Danny Lloyd, no doubt your closer. Some of the best stuff on this staff, 95 miles per hour with the fastball, has a wipeout slider, has an absolute wipeout slider. Again, it'll be Danny Lloyd's first year doing it. You know, it'll be his first year. Graham Lawson coming off an injury. Cam Tringali was okay a year ago. So there are guys that need to st- – These all three of these guys have something to prove, if you will. But I'm very, very excited, especially with the eight and nine of Lawson and Lloyd. I mean, that is two power arms. And you think the last year, one thing that South Carolina did not have, it did not have a consistent power arm at the back end of that bullpen. You know, Sawyer Bridges was your opening day closer. He dealt with arm injuries all year, was not the same guy since opening day. From there, it was <laughs> a lot of different guys taking over. I mean, Wesley Sweat threw some back there. Danny Lloyd threw some back there. Um, Tringali threw some back there. I mean, you just really never had that set guy to close games for you, and it hurt you. It hurt you immensely last year. So I'm very, very excited of what that trio of Tringali, Lawson, and Lloyd can do for this pitching staff. Um, li- like I mentioned earlier, I've mentioned this really all fall and all spring when I talk about this baseball team as a whole, but definitely this pitching staff. Gamecock fans, we are much, much much deeper than we were a a year ago. I mean, if you're looking for a reason to be optimistic about this pitching staff, that should be at the top of your list. Like I said, there are limited innings and there are a lot of guys fighting for those innings. You mentioned, I haven't even mentioned guys like TJ Shook, who threw on the weekend last year. I think he's probably going to be a midweek starter. You think of Julian Bosnick, who's a lefty. I like the addition of him. Uh, Again, Brett Carey is going to be your Saturday guy. I mean, you have so many guys fighting for these spots, I'm really, really excited about what they can do. I talked about Andrew Peters, Thomas Farr, um, a lot of J- Brandon Jordan coming in. Um, you know, R.J. Danton's a guy that's going to help you. Will McGregor's going to help you. Those are two lefties right there. Um, you know, Trey Tugits, like I said earlier, I think he's a guy, as a freshman, that can contribute, throw some innings for you. John Gilreath, the lefty. Um, I- I'm really, really excited about this pitching staff as a whole. Again, led by Carmen Majinski. But there's a lot of depth behind him. There's a lot of quality arms out there that South Carolina can throw. I'm very, very excited for what these guys can do. Um, Last put, I'm going to mention this with the hitters as well. Um, But there should be a major chip on the shoulder of this pitching staff. No question. I mean, 2019, 5.51 ERA, which I don't know how bad that is in regards to recent Carolina teams that's got to be one of the worst if not the worst ERA in the last 20 years for kind of baseball um, it was certainly the worst in the SEC last year I think right there maybe 13th I don't know but either way the chip on the shoulder of this pitching staff can they come out how much better can they get um, obviously you'd love to see a pitching staff with a sub four ERA that's pretty damn good in college baseball but 5.51 is simply unacceptable I mean it was terrible so what type of rebound year can this pitching staff have? And, again, I'm going to talk about the hitters the same way. What type of rebound year, though, can this pitching staff have in the 2020 season? Moving to the hitters, um, big thing that jumps out to me here, a lot of new faces. There's a lot of new faces that are contri- going to contribute. And, again, it's a similar thing with the, with, the, uh, with the pitching as well. There's a ton of depth. I mean, there's a ton of depth on this team, and I'm really, really excited about it. There's a lot of guys fighting for a lot of different spots. Hell, you just look at, like, the catcher position. I mean, last year, all you had was Luke Berryhill. And Chris Cullen really was a guy that could catch for you every now and then but was not – after the first weekend, you knew he wasn't going to be your everyday catcher. Luke Berryhill was really the only guy. You look at the catcher position this year, Dallas Beaver is going to be your starting catcher. Bryant Bowen can catch. Wes Clark can catch. Jax Cash can catch. Colin Burgess can catch. There's a lot of options out there for South Carolina. That's just one example for you. I'm really, really excited. Though. You know, like Mark Kingston talked about, this. this team – Is 50-50 split as far as new guys and and returners, and you got Juco guys, and how do they all fit in? Again, I think there's a lot of potential with this lineup, but how do these new guys pan out? Because SEC baseball, obviously, a completely different animal. It is a completely different animal. Can they adjust to it? I think that's going to be really interesting to see, again, amongst the new faces. Another major storyline, and maybe – maybe the storyline that'll be most followed by Gamecock fans is just simply put though, can Noah Campbell finally pan out? I mean, we're talking about a guy that, you know, has been on every preseason list or a lot of them, at least as far as preseason, all SEC, he was on a preseason all American team, but a guy that let's just face it, his first two years are stunk. I mean, he, he, he has stunk. He has not panned out. A guy that for whatever reason has torn up the Cape Cod league back to back summers. Can he finally, can he finally transition that over into his junior season, which is your money year if you're a baseball player. That is your money year. That's your draft year. But can Noah Campbell – I mean, I'm not even thinking about the draft. Can he fend off some stiff competition behind him and hold on to the starting, starting job at second base? Guys, I'll be honest with you, watching throughout the spring, he's a guy that wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if the coaching staff decided to go with Jeff Heinrich or Braylon Wimmer at second. I don't think they will, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in my starting nine and in my projected lineup. But Noah Campbell, can he pan out? Simply put, you're going to hear Kendall Rogers of D1Baseball.com talk a lot about him a little bit later in the podcast. Is a guy that he thinks could be a breakout player for South Carolina. I want to see it. I, I want to see it before I believe it from Noah Campbell. Um, also, you talk, take a look at these hitters. And one thing I noticed throughout the fall and really the spring as well, you know, guys – I could be totally wrong. I don't think this is a team that's going to rely 110% on the long ball like we saw a year ago. Obviously, the Gamecocks set records and were leading the country in home runs in the non-conference. That did not translate over an SEC play. It really proved to be that the Gamecocks struck out way too freaking much. They they relied on the home run way too much. I think this is a team that's honestly going to be able to manufacture much better than they did a year ago. You're talking about Hit and run, stolen bases, again, just manufacturing runs, doing the little things. I think they're really focusing on that. And I think you're going to see a team that is much better than that. Now, that's not to say they don't have pop. I think this is a team with a lot of pop. I think you've got guys from the JUCO ranks that came in. They're going to help you out immediately in that regard. You've got guys returning like Brady Allen, Andrew Eister, Wes Clark, who can hit the long ball. But I think this team is going to be much more balanced at the plate. Obviously have to cut down on strikeouts have to cut down on strikeouts, no questions asked. But I am expecting a much better approach from this team. I can tell you guys one thing as well. If we hit a bunch of home runs in the non-conference, I will not get overexcited. I will not get overhyped by what it means. Because in the SEC, when you're facing a guy on Friday night throwing 97 like Emerson Hancock or the rocker kid from Vandy, you better be able to scratch across one or two and manufacture some runs and put some pressure on the defense. Gamecocks did not do that consistently enough a year ago. I do expect and think they are going to make it going to make it a priority to do it this year. Um, another huge storyline I talked about a little bit earlier, who is going to replace TJ Hopkins? And I don't even re- mean replace him, you know, in the field or his statistics, but TJ to me was the guy who was the undisputed leader of this baseball team a year ago. Again, I a guy that for whatever reason I've labeled him Mr. Gamecock. I mean a guy that grew up a Gamecocks fan you know, wanted to play for South Carolina, got the opportunity, made the most of his four years at USC. And, again, a guy that – how do you replace his clutch? How do you replace his his leadership on this team? Again, it's one thing to replace him, just throw a guy out there and, you know, hit 300, whatever. But who's going to be Mr. Clutch? Who's going to be that dude? Who's going to be that leader for this ball club? I'll be interested in seeing that. Now, I talked about the pitching staff's ERA. Let's talk about the hitters' average. 2019 hit 236 as a team in an SEC play. I don't even want to talk about how bad it was. I think they hit like 200 as a team. Andrew Eister, the only hitter throughout in, in, returning for South Carolina, that hit over 300. Again, what type of chip on the shoulder is there for these Gamecock hitters? Because again, you're not going to win many baseball games hitting 236 as a team. you just simply not. You were at the bottom of the conference in both pitching and hitting statistically. Something's got to give. Something's got to change. You know, how much better can it get? Again, what's the type? chip on their shoulder type mentality? It's got to get better. Period. Point blank. How much better do we see it get in 2020? All right, let's move into some projections as far as I want to give you guys my thoughts on the weekend rotation starting now, Project the lineup. As far as the weekend rotation right now, Friday and Saturday are set. Uh, those two are very much set. I've got Carmen Majinski starting on Friday. Brett Carey is going to be your Saturday starter. No doubt in my mind. Mark Kingston's basically already made it clear. Those are your two guys. On Sunday, I think you're going to see Andrew Peters. Andrew Peters, uh, a Juco transfer, a guy that I'm actually really, really excited about. He actually threw in the scrimmage yesterday, Sunday afternoon at Founders Park on Fan Day as well for those who were there. I think he's going to get the first opportunity. I think he's a guy that's got really, really good stuff, Uh, low 90s with the fastball, got a lot of cut on his fastball, got a really sharp breaking ball. Uh, good changeup as well, so he's got good stuff. I think he's going to get the uh, the first opportunity, and then from there we'll see what happens. Again, if I think it's really going to be a situation where you're going to see a guy like a Peters get the opportunity, if he throws well, he'll get to go out next week. If he doesn't, they're going to give it to somebody else. I think it's just going to be who's the first guy to step up, step out there, and, and take it and and take that job. I'll be very interested to see who that is, but I think Andrew Peters I've got on Sunday for the Gamecocks. So again. Weekend rotation, my projected weekend weekend rotation at least at this time, Friday right-handed pitcher Carmen Majenski, Saturday right-handed pitcher Brett Carey, and Sunday right-handed pitcher Andrew Peters. My starting nine for the Gamecocks, just going around the horn here. This is my projected starting nine. At catcher, I've got Dallas Beaver, first base Wes Clark, second base Noah Campbell, shortstop George Khalil, third base Brennan Malone, left fielder Brady Allen, center fielder Noah Myers, and right fielder Andrew Eister. Um, let's go ahead and move in the projected lineup as well. The batting order, if you will, the projected starting lineup as far as the batting order. And then I'll give you guys kind of some of my thoughts and my thought process behind this lineup and why guys are where they are. Um, one through nine, your starting lineup. I've got center fielder, Noah Myers leading off in the two hole left fielder, Brady Allen in the three hole third baseman, Brennan Malone at cleanup catcher, Dallas Beaver in the five hole right fielder, Andrew Eister, in the six hole, D.H. Bryant-Bowen. In the seven hole, 1st baseman, Wes Clark. In the eight hole, 2nd baseman, Noah Campbell. And finishing off in the nine hole, I can't talk for whatever reason, shortstop, George Khalil. Now, going through this lineup, you guys probably have a lot of questions. Who is this? What is this? Whatever. Leading off, Noah Myers, a guy that has been pesky all fall and spring. A guy that I think is going to fit in beautifully in that leadoff spot. Going to play center field for you extremely fast. Again, a guy that, Handles the bat very, very well. I think he's going to fit in beautifully at the leadoff spot. Brady Allen, again, I've gotten the two-hole returning from last year. You guys know what he's got. I think he fits in nicely there. A guy with some speed, can handle the bat, and has some power as well. The three-hole Brennan Malone, uh, I've talked a lot about him. Hit three home runs in the Garnet and Black World Series game in the fall. A guy who continued to show off the power of the pop. Got a good glove at third as well. Someone that, again, I think is one of the Gamecock's best hitters. Will he translate it over into SEC play? That's going to be the big question. But right now, I think Brennan Malone is one of your best hitters on this team. Uh, Clean up Dallas Beaver, a guy that has a ton of pop. He's got a ton of a pop. He's a typical cleanup guy. Um, Like I said, a typical cleanup guy. I mean, he's got a big-time swing, big-time pop from the left side. Uh, In the five hole, Andrew Eister returning from last year. I expect him to hit double-digit home runs, be a three hundred guy again. I'm very excited about what Eister can do. Uh, in the six hole, D.H. Bryant Bowen, again, a transfer, the, uh, the, the the transfer out of Southern Miss. Um, I'm really, really excited for what Bryant Bowen can do here. Um, a, a guy, again, with a ton of pop, handles the bat really well, hits everything hard, it seems like. It seems like every time he's up there, he's hitting the baseball hard and taking good swings, has a good approach. I'm really excited for Bowen. At first base, West Clark. West Clark, a guy, if you guys have not been out to any scrimmages or haven't seen him, You might not even recognize this dude. Has put on a ton of good weight, is big now, very, very big, has a ton of pop, ton of power. You know, I'll tell you this, guys, two through seven, or really three through seven, but two through seven as well, I'm excited about this lineup. There's a ton of power. I mean, you're talking two through seven. Any of these dudes can go deep on you. Just want to throw that out there. Uh, In the eight hole, second baseman Noah Campbell. Now, you might be asking yourself, Chris, why'd you put Noah Campbell in there? And also, why is he in the eight hole? I think this is the way they're going to handle the Noah Campbell situation. I think Noah Campbell's going to get the benefit of the doubt or at least the opportunity to start early in the season and take and hold on to his starting second baseman job. I think Noah Campbell's the kind of guy. I don't want, I don't, people, people hear this phrase and they take it personally or take it the wrong way, but he's a bit of a head case. And what I mean by a head case is he's a guy when he gets in a slump, it is very, very hard for him to get out of it. I think he's the kind of guy that if you bench him early in the season and you start a Jeff Heinrich, you start a Braylon Wimmer, even if they've outperformed him in the spring scrimmages and everything else, it's going to be very, very hard, very hard for Noah Campbell to come back from that. So I think you give him the benefit of the doubt early on. You put him down in the lineup because he's going to see a lot more good pitches to hit in the eight hole, the nine hole, whatever it may be. But you give him the opportunity to get off to a good start because I think that's what's most pivotal here for Noah Campbell. He's got to find a way to get off to a good start, in my opinion. Has to. Absolutely has to. Absolutely has to. So I think he could, he's going to be in the eight hole. I think it's going to do wonders for him as well. I think he's going to see a lot more fastballs, a lot more good pitches to hit. I got Noah Campbell in the eight hole. And then finally, round down again, shortstop George Khalil on the nine hole. Listen, George, fantastic glove. The bat is coming around, but I think he's like the prototypical nine-hole hitter. So, again, that rounds out the lineup. Um, Biggest question surrounding this team this season is what? For me, I feel pretty good about the pitching. I I really do. I feel pretty good about the pitching. To me, the biggest question for this lineup is – or, excuse me, for this team is what can this lineup do? Can this lineup do enough – Against SEC pitching. You know, if you ask me, what are you more worried about, the pitching or the hitting? I'd probably lean with the hitting just because there are so many unproven or so many guys that have a bunch to prove in this lineup. There's so many unproven guys in this lineup. There's a lot of new faces. You know, we're assuming, again, you watch in scrimmages, it's one thing to do it in scrimmages. What are you going to do on Friday night against Emerson Hancock? What are you going to do in SEC play against Vandy, Florida, you know, Mississippi State, LSU? What are you going to do in those type of moments? What are you going to do in front of 8,000 people? So there's a lot of guys that need to step up, need to pan out. I feel pretty good about the pitching side. Can the hitting match it? Can the hitting come around? That's my biggest concern and my biggest question surrounding this team. Um, The 2020 season will be a success if, for me, it'll be a success, simply put, just get back to the postseason. Get back to the postseason. You know, I don't think the expectations from South Carolina fans are any more than that, you know. I I will die on this ledge. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I will die on this ledge. At South Carolina, you have no excuse to ever miss the postseason. You've got the fan support, you've got the facilities, you've got the players, you've got the recruiting. Never an excuse. And this year doesn't fall into that either. You gotta get back to the postseason. You absolutely have to get back to the postseason. And again, I think it'll be a success if you do. I don't think you have to host your own regional, I don't think you got to, you know, I don't think you got to make it to the supers necessarily, but you just at least got to get back to the postseason. You got to, especially after how bad 2019 was. Getting back to the postseason in 2020 will be a good positive step for this team and this program in the Mark Kingston era as well. Um, all right, my prediction for 2020. You guys are wondering, Chris, what are your thoughts? What's your prediction for 2020? When I take a look at this baseball team, I, like I said, I really like what I see. I think it's all led and started by Carmen Majinsky. I think he has a big year for South Carolina, and I do like the pieces in this lineup. But the SEC is one of the toughest, if not the – let's just put it out. It's the toughest conference. It is by far the toughest conference. When you take a look at the pitching staffs, the lineups, just the depth of this conference, this conference top to bottom, you can get beat any weekend, absolutely any weekend. I think South Carolina – is one of those middle of the pack teams, but I think they have a much much better year than 2019. Obviously, I see this being a 35, 36 win ball club. I see them being 15 and 15, 16 and 14 in SEC play. I do see South Carolina getting back to the postseason, being a two or three seed in the regional. And again, once once you get in the regional, South Carolina baseball, who knows at that point? But I do think the Gamecocks get back to the postseason. I think, like I said, they're a two seed, maybe a three, but more likely a two. But again. A 35-36 win year, 15-15, and 16-14 15, in conference. That's where I feel comfortable putting this team again. I think the Gamecocks will be much improved, no doubt. This is going to be a South Carolina baseball team, fans, you're listening, going to be much more fun to watch in 2020, if nothing else. This team will be much more fun to watch. You guys are going to be much better. But the SEC is, is brutal. I mean, honestly, it is brutal. There's a lot of series this year where – God, I mean, it's going to be a hell of a series victory if you can go into Athens and beat Georgia two of three, or if you can go into Vandy and beat Vandy two of three. I mean, the road series especially, you've got to go to LSU. I mean, the biggest thing in those, you've got to avoid the sweep. You need to steal one or two of them, but you've got to avoid the sweep at all costs. And in the smaller series, you know, when you play like the Missouris, when you play the Kentuckys, when you play, you know, maybe even the Tennessees. You gotta find you've at least got to win two of three and get a couple sweeps in there as well. So, again, I think South Carolina's much improved. I think they do get back to the postseason, 35, 36 wins or so, about 500 in conference, and I see them being a two or three seed in the regional. And, again, more importantly than anything, getting back to the postseason, I think it will happen for Gamecocks baseball in 2020. So, looking forward to opening day. We finally get to talk baseball constantly. You guys know I'm excited about it, but opening day is finally here. We get to talk about South Ghana playing somebody else. I'm very, very, very excited for and excited for the potential of this team, what this team can do. Um, All right, let's move to some basketball because obviously there was basketball played over the weekend. Gamecocks getting a big 74 to 54 win over the Texas A&M Aggies. Huge win, huge way to rebound and bounce back after what was a really, really, really tough game at Ole Miss. Obviously, you wondered just how would this team bounce back? You know, How would this team Um, Rebound, coming home, coming back to the CLA in a day game. Very, very exciting. Very great news to say that, again, the Gamecocks did a 20-point win. It felt very ho-hum. You know, it felt very, this is what we did last time. We're just going to do it again. Uh, Obviously, South Carolina, I think, beat them by 14 on the road before. Now you beat them by 20 at home. was very, very impressed with South Carolina's guard play on Saturday. Um, You take a look at the guards. I mean, really, these guys made up for what was that 20-point win mostly. I mean, you take a look again. Kuznard, A.J. Lawson, and Jair Bolden, 45 of your 74 points, led by Jermaine Kuznar with 19 points. A.J. Lawson with a huge bounce-back game with 18 points. Very, very excited. I loved really I, – guys, I talked about the defensive side of the ball. When South's going to be able to bounce back, that relentless defense, you certainly saw that. Holding Texas A&M to – let's pull it up here – from the field, 26% from three. I thought you saw the Gamecocks attack, attack, attack on the defensive end. Again, I just mentioned, but I want to talk again, A.J. Lawson. You've got to be encouraged if you're a Gamecocks fan, 18 points. It seems like every time I challenge A.J. Lawson to step up and be that guy, if you will, he has some sort of bounce back game. It's sort of crazy. But A.J. Lawson coming back again, uh, played 23 minutes, five for nine from the field, four four for seven from three. Uh, 18 points on the day. South Carolina even shooting 74 percent from the free throw line. You know it's a good day for South Carolina when they're shooting 70 plus percent from the free throw line. Um, again, just talked about the defense. Who is going to be the guard to step up? I think that's the question. You know, with Justin and I being updated, being out probably to the SEC tournament. You know, out of out of Lawson, Kuznar, Bolden, all three had solid games. Can one of those guys continue it? Can one of those guys continue to do it as we move through SEC play and get closer to the tournament? Again, Kuznar's been pretty consistent with it, but can A.J. Lawson use this as sort of fuel, as sort of fire, as a spark to carry into the rest of conference play? I'll be very interested to see that. But overall, a great win. You came home, did exactly what you needed to do. Again, I love the defensive effort. Absolutely love the smothering defensive effort. But, again, you you did what you had to do. You know, Texas A&M is a middle-of-the-road SEC team. Not saying that South Carolina is kind of not right now, but a team that you already went on the road and beat, I thought you should have came home taking care of business. South Carolina is able to do that. Very, very exciting win. And now it sets up a road game at Georgia, which Georgia's absolutely had their struggles this year. Um, Absolutely had their struggles. So I'm extremely excited as far as – can the gamecocks string together a couple more can they string together a couple in a row again you're at georgia tennessee at home will be a very intense game at mississippi state lsu at home georgia at home at bama mississippi state at home at vandy to close out the season so again gamecocks are still fighting trying to get on the bubble trying to get themselves back on the bubble i, I you know i want the one Saturday was one you had to have you're now 14 and 9 6 and 4 in conference um You know, I'm not sure how many more wins it's going to take. You're probably going to have to go six and two in your last eight to even have a chance or to be on the bubble. But overall, a great win and a great way to bounce back as the Gamecocks get the 20-point victory at the CLA. Um, Excuse me, guys. Let's move into some football. It was a big football weekend as well. It's crazy. We had everything. We've got everything to talk about. Football coaching staff changes happening over the weekend. Three changes, or really four changes I should mention, happening over the weekend. I want to go through these really quickly. Thomas Brown to the L.A. Rams of the NFL. John Scott Jr. accepting a deal with Penn State, Um, I think in the same role with them. And then Brian McClendon. This one is one where I think he's interviewing today, but it seems like it's pretty much finalized, taking over as the wide receiver coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Also, Matt Lindsey, uh, who is a big guy as far as recruiting is concerned and player personnel, development, whatever. He's going to Ole Miss. Everyone was asking on social media and really freaking out, guys. Everybody was freaking out. But everybody was just saying, what does this mean? Chris, the program's collapsing. You know what's so funny? I mean, I am a guy who is as critical of Will Muschamp as anybody. I mean, and this program and everything else. I've been critical. But to me, to be honest with you, this does not signal that the program is not on solid footing. I mean, listen. These three guys, two of them took NFL opportunities. One of them took an opportunity in which he got an extension and a raise with, let's face it, a better program. So I don't understand how that signals to anyone that the program that is South Carolina is crumbling because of this. I just don't see it that way. Um, Obviously, it sucks to lose Thomas Brown. Out of the three, that is the biggest one as far as the on-field coaches that's the biggest one I mean the impact that Thomas Brown had in his first year completely flipped the running back room I don't think anyone could deny the type of impact he had on the running backs sucks to lose him obviously you you truly truly do hate to lose him but again you get an opportunity with the LA Rams how can you turn it down you know how can you realistically turn it down Brian McClendon leaving that that to me is not even a big deal. I mean Brian McClendon was a guy that got demoted from the OC position. You were paying a wide receivers coach 1.2 million. I'm sort of glad he's gone if you guys really want to know. I'm kind of glad that he's gone. I mean, listen, I don't want to be paying a wide receivers coach 1.2 million. Do you? And then John Scott Jr. again already mentioned, going to a better program, getting an extension, getting a raise. I mean, why would you not go? So, again, it doesn't signal to me. I mean, this is this is the business of college football. This is the business of football coaching. There are going to be teams that come in and offer, and the guys are going to take it. Uh, That's just how it goes. I don't think the 2020 season, anyways, guys, either way, was going to be totally dependent on what the running backs coach did. You know, if we turn it around, went eight and four in 2020, I wasn't going to say, hey, you know what, John Scott Jr. He's the reason. He's the reason we went eight and four. Guys, let's face it: this football season, it falls on two people. Will Muschamp. And Mike Bobo and that is it that is those are the two guys this 2020 football season falls on also how can you blame the three guys how can you blame them for taking other jobs they know what this 2020 season is bringing they know that if 2020 goes south they're going to be looking for jobs so I can't necessarily blame them for getting out ahead of it again I don't think it signals that the football program is in shambles I, I just I don't believe that I just don't believe that again I'm as I'm someone who's as critical as anyone about Will Muschamp. I'm still on the fire of Muschamp training. I, I'm, not, I'm not a believer in Muschamp. I don't think he's the guy. But of all things, I'm not pointing to this and saying, you know what, this is another indication. I I, you know, I think that's just the business of college football. I really do. I think it's the business of college football, and it just simply happens. So um, I don't think Gamecock fans, you don't need to freak out quite as much as you've been doing. Um, Again, I, I just think, again, it's something that happens. It's something that happens, especially when you have good coaches. And, you know, kudos to those guys. Those guys. I mean, it's, it's just you, you can't blame them for, for taking those jobs. You just simply cannot blame them for taking those jobs. So um, wish, them, wish them best of luck. I think South Carolina will be able to probably find guys and hire guys to take over, you know, that are going to be solid additions. Again, it sucks to lose Thomas Brown because for all all that he did, but that is the business that is football coaching. So unfortunate, but I think we will get better guys. I think we'll get adequate guys. I think we'll get guys that will fit into what we're trying to do. Good recruiters, and we'll be okay. Again, I don't. I think the 2020 season is going to go way beyond what some assistant coaches would have done. It falls on Will Muschamp and Mike Bobo, and to me, that's pretty much it. So. Um, all right, let's move to your listener questions, and then we'll move into our interview with Kendall Rogers as well. Let's start with Gamecocks underscore only. Uh, he asks, is this a tourney team, and who do you think will be our best bat? So speaking of the baseball team, yes, I think this is a team that gets back to the postseason. Our best bat overall, that is a really, really good question because I, I like what Brennan Malone has done, <clears throat> but I, I don't think I'm ready to say he will be the best bat. Right now, I'm probably going to go with Andrew Eister. Um, I think Ister, a guy that, is a really well-rounded hitter. I mean, he does everything well. Um, I think Eister will be your best hitter. But, again, I would. I, I think that's going to be a close battle, man. I think we're going to be much, much better at the plate. I think people are going to be really surprised about that. But I think Andrew Eister right now is your best hitter for sure. Um, CP3 underscore presents, what record do the Gamecocks have to finish with to make the NCAA tournament? Um, again, I think probably 7-1. and one. I, I, I think you – you pretty much need to win them all. <laughs> you you pretty much need to win them all at this point. I think probably seven and one gets you in. Six and two on the bubble. Worse than that, no chance we're in. Um, Mason underscore Crow 48. Biggest worry going into the 2020 season? Like I mentioned, I, I'd probably say the hitting. You know, I think that's the biggest question mark. I think if you ask me one side or the other, I'm more worried about the hitting than I am the pitching. But I don't feel terrible about the hitting, but I definitely think that's my biggest worry is just getting into SEC play. Can we do enough? Can we, can we score enough to give ourselves opportunities to win series? That's going to be my big question. Um, w underscore Hale, is Kingston gone if we don't make the Supers? No. I, I think either way, Kingston's back 2021. I think even if we miss the postseason, I think Mark Kingston's return returns, believe it or not. I think they'll give him at least one more year. Um, but, no, especially if we don't make the Supers, no. I think he's back. You know, I think he's back. I mean, I think it's a successful year if you just get back to the postseason. We'll see what happens from there. But, no, I, I think he's back, no doubt. Um, yeah, underscore boy, underscore KG10. Best pitcher we got. Best pitcher we got. Um, Carmen Majinski. no question. <laughs> just no, I don't even know why I had to think about that, but no question. That is the best pitcher on our rotation. Again, the guy that's going to lead everything. It's going to start and end with Carmen Majenski. If he has an All-American year, there's probably a pretty damn good chance we had a great year as well. Um, last question, not even really a question here, a statement, but I want to uh, want to throw it on the show for my boy C. Harris, 803. Image Inc. looking fire from center. Yes, it is, sir. And, again, guys, like I mentioned, that's where the tailgate's going to be outside of Image Inc., outside of the right center field fence. Be sure to come out there 12 to first pitch On Friday afternoon, again, like I said, live pregame show 2-3, to being streamed on Periscope if you can't make it. But if you want to get in there, we'll talk some shop, talk some Carolina baseball. Going to have a bunch of former Carolina baseball players out there as well. Very, very, very excited about that. All right, like I said, fantastic interview upcoming. Stick around, guys. Kendall Rogers of D1Baseball.com. He helped me break down the Gamecock baseball season. The SEC as a whole – Fantastic interview, Kendall—one of the best in the business to do it. So stay tuned for that, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek, guys. Whatever you need tickets to, obviously again, South Carolina UConn tonight. God, you're going to need to save some money on those tickets. Those prices are ridiculous. Women's basketball, men's basketball, baseball, softball, any South Carolina Gamecock sporting events, concert, comedy club events, professional sporting events—you name it. Whatever you need tickets to, like I said, the amount of events this week is crazy. South Carolina versus UConn tonight, women's basketball. Those tickets are crazy expensive. We've got softball, we've got baseball opening day, we've got men's basketball Saturday, guys. Whatever you need tickets to, SeatGeek is the way to go. They got a great ticket rating system, which rates the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting, guys. So never again you get the scalp. You're gonna know exactly where you're sitting. You're gonna get. You're gonna know exactly what type of deal you're getting. You're gonna get the best bang for your buck. And they're going to make the process super simple, super easy. And they're going to really give you that peace of mind when you click the buy button to know, hey, my money right here, I'm getting the best possible deal. And I'm getting a great seat. I'm going to have a great time at the game as well. I don't have to worry if my tickets are real. None of that BS. You're going to have a great time. And again, SeatGeek is going to be all the credit for it. So again, go download the SeatGeek app. Go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P-U-R-S-U-P to save $20 off your first purchase. All right. Enjoy this interview with Kendall Rogers of D1Baseball.com. All right, joining us still on the Spurs Up show is a man who's the National College Baseball writer and co-managing editor for D1Baseball.com. He joins me today as we creep closer and closer to opening day to help break down the South Carolina Gamecocks baseball team this baseball season coming up for South Carolina. I'm pleased to be joined by Kendall Rogers of D1Baseball.com. Kendall, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on.
2: Yeah, you got to tell you what, I feel like the the American Baseball Coach Association meeting uh, in early January is kind of the start of college baseball season and uh, the weather right now isn't too bad, like I think we're in like the 60s here in Texas, uh, but we do know, we all know uh, once mid-February hits, uh, it will definitely be uh, 25 or 30 degrees at Founders Park and everybody will be freezing, so uh, we better get. We better enjoy this warmer weather as we, you know, as we can right now because it's going to change here soon.
1: Indeed, I will say we've gotten lucky the past two or three years or so. On opening day, we've gotten the temperatures up in the 60s and maybe low 70s. Well, but you imagine.
2: just jinxed yourself.
1: I know. It's. <laughs> I was going to say we've had that nice weather on opening day, but it, it definitely sets yeah. in. I feel like the day after when it's like a high of 45, and you're like, "Well, that was nice for at least." Yeah, one. I
2: still remember. You know, I think back to the coldest games I've covered. I still remember a few years ago uh, I covered Clemson in South Carolina. And I think the Friday night game at uh, at Founders was one of the coldest games I, I think I ever covered. I, th- I think it might have been I'm trying to remember if it was Seth Beard's sophomore or junior year at Clemson, but either way, it was extremely cold. And I was I was always impressed that that place was like jam packed and and crazy despite the fact it was like 42 degrees at first pitch. So. That's my South Carolina cold weather
1: story. <laughs> yeah, S- South Carolina is one of those places you can get all four seasons in a week. It seems like so it's it's kind of crazy. I know the
2: feeling. I live in Houston, Texas. <laughs> so I know I know exactly what that feeling is like
1: for sure. So Kendall, really excited to have you on. Obviously, we're talking South Carolina baseball sure. as Opening Day creeps closer and closer. I, I want to start with you, just kind of the the expectations this se- season. Mark Kingston coming into his third year, obviously twenty nineteen. What for a host of different reasons was a really, really tough year for South Carolina baseball. You go 8 and 22 in SEC play. I mean, it all begins with you lose Carmen Majinski in the third game. He only threw 10 innings last year. Uh, just kind of talk about, you know, coming into the season, what do you feel like the pressure is like again for Mark Kingston coming in his third year? Because I was talking to somebody, a former Carolina baseball player a couple of weeks ago, actually. And, you know, the big point we made is that, you know, obviously you're familiar, Kendall, with the proud tradition and the history, the back to back national titles. But really, since Late 90s, early 2000s, I mean, South Carolina baseball has become a staple of the college baseball landscape. I can't remember the last time South Carolina baseball had back-to-back bad seasons. I mean, there have been those every now and then, you know, not really up to par type years. But I feel like there's a lot yeah. of pressure on this year simply because, again, you know, you can either prove that 2019 was a fluke or if you have another down year, it starts to become a disturbing trend. What do you think the expectations and I guess the pressure is like on Mark Kingston and this South Carolina program?
2: Well, I think there's no doubt there's some pressure. Uh, You know, this is a team that a couple years ago, you know, did make a nice little run in the postseason. But when you look at last year, you know, you can sit here all day and blame things on injuries. Um, And I know Mark would not do that. But, uh, you know, you can look at, you know, losing Carmen Majiski when you did. We all know that the big-time potential that he has. You know, people forget that going into last year, like Noah Campbell was coming off like an incredible summer at the Cape Cod League. We all thought he was going to be an absolute stud. Uh, you know, he ended the season hitting 239, uh with an OBP like, in the mid-300s. So, uh, you know, just, just not very many things went South Carolina's way last year. You get you get the injury to Majenski, uh Campbell didn't step up. Uh, and, and, you know, again, like, I, I hate to throw guys under the bus. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, that's the fact. Like, he was the guy who was supposed to be kind of the dude. And he just wasn't the dude. So, you know, and that happens to a lot of guys. Like, I'm not just going to single out Noah Campbell. Like, I can't tell you – how many players in college baseball over the last, like, decade that I've covered, you know, guys that you expect to have big junior years, and they've just struggled. So, you know, I think when you look at those two things, you look at the overall consistency of of that team last year, uh, it was kind of the perfect storm. But, you know, now, you know, we're looking ahead to 2020, and I think if you're Mark Kingston, uh, there's no doubt there needs to be vast improvement this year. I just think if you're South Carolina, you've got a baseball coach, Brady and Coach Tanner. Uh, you've got to show immense improvement. And, and I do think this team will be much better. Um, you know, we had South Carolina uh, as one of our next 10 teams uh, in our top 25 rankings, you know, teams that we considered for the top 25, and we did consider them. I think when you look at this club overall, you look at the return of Majenski, uh, you look at the return of Brett Carey, who, you know, frankly, last year I thought – uh, was their most impressive arm, you know, You know, once uh, Carmen went down. Uh, I thought Brett had an incredible season. I uh, think you look at the addition of, of guys like Thomas Farr uh, on the mound, certainly a big-time arm, uh, especially from a velocity standpoint. Uh, and Then offensively, uh, I think this club will be much better. You know, I, I really, really like the two graduate transfer additions. You know, Brian Bowen and Dallas Beaver, especially Brian Bowen, a, a guy that's coming, you know, from a perennial – Postseason team, kind of hard-nosed approach a Southern Miss. Uh, you know, I, I think he's a guy that will make a big, big uh, impact for this club, even if it's just in the DH role. He can hit for power. Uh, he can hit for average. Granted, conference USA is a little different than the SEC, uh, but he's done it against good teams in the past. And then Dallas Beaver, just kind of a kind of a rock kind of guy. Uh, you know, he he'll be solid uh, behind the plate. Um, you know, he's got big-time left-handed power. He did a really nice job at UCF last year. I think he might have had 12 home runs or 56 RDS, somewhere around there. Uh, so, again, you've got two guys here who had double-digit home runs last year, both for programs that, uh, you know, not only do I have a lot of respect for, but programs uh, that are consistent postseason contenders, even though UCF did miss it last year. So, uh, again, uh, you know, you have to prove it on paper. The SEC is not getting any easier. You know, what was it a couple of years ago we were thinking, like, oh, Georgia, boy, like, who's, who's Georgia going to jump? You know, Georgia's struggling. You know, we believe in Scott Strickland, but who are they going to jump? Also, Georgia's good. Tennessee, they were like the weak link, and now Tennessee, you know, is coming off a regional berth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we're here, and they're like, Alabama's much better. So, you know, w- you know, you could be a much better team and maybe not finish much higher in the standings. So I think it's going to be a pretty exciting year. I think this team will be undoubtedly better. Uh, it's just a matter of where they're going to fit in those standings. The, the SEC is just so difficult.
1: For sure. Kendall, I want to spend some more time talking about Karma Majenski because to me – when you take a look at this team, he is the most important piece in my mind. When I take a look at like what is the key to this season, yeah. you guys had him listed as a preseason third-team All-American. And when you think about, he only threw 10 and two-thirds innings a year ago. So if you're a casual fan or just a fan that maybe doesn't know a lot about Carter yeah. that's the type of potential that he has. I mean, a guy that was listed, I think, by you guys as well as a top 10 prospect for the 2020 class, the MLB draft class of guys that are eligible. So He's a big-time arm. He tore up the cape last summer. I watched him in the falls. I know you guys did as well, up to 96, 97 on the fastball, the two-seam. I mean, the, the breaking stuff is there. I mean, he's got big league-type stuff. Um, what are you looking for in regards to Carmen Majinski? Because, like I said, to me, I think one of the big keys, if not the most important key this season, is that, again, you guys list him as a preseason third-team All-American. He's got to pitch like that All-American for South Carolina. What are you expecting from him this year?
2: Well, I tell you what, it's 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 hard to expect too much more. I mean, when you look at what he did at the Cape, I think he might have had 40 strikeouts. Around I think there's might have been even like four or five walks or something. There's something crazy. Mm. But you know, he had a great summer there. I mean, he was up into the mid 90s. He was holding his velocity well, uh, and so I mean, he's a total package. He, he's got the the physical attributes. He's got the stuff. Um, he commanded really well at uh, the Cape Cod League. So like you're you know you're looking at this guy the same vein that you're looking at, Emerson Hancock at Georgia, you're looking at A a Lacey at Texas A&M. And you're right, it's kind of weird to be saying that. You're talking about a guy who's coming off a season with 10 and two-thirds innings of work. (laughs) But Mm. when you look at his summer, you look at his ability to hold his mid-90s velocity, he can get up to 98, he's going to throw that with heavy sink. You look at the fact that he also will kind of throw a a cutter, a slider, a changeup at you, uh, and then, you know, he's made big strides with that changeup. Uh, Again, he is the total package. And so... You know, again, kind of kind of going back to the way I was talking about Noah Campbell, like I hate them to just like throw the whole season on Carver Majestad's shoulders, mm. but if this team uh, is going to not only make the postseason, but make a run in the postseason that South Carolina fans are kind of accustomed to, he's going to have to have a big year, and I think he will. Uh, you know, I think he proved it against the best of the best, became Cod League. He certainly seemed to follow that up with a strong uh, fall, and uh, I think he has a great spring. So, Again, he he's going to throw you know four pitches. He's going to throw velocity, and, and he certainly will seemed to figure out uh, the command part too. So I'm I'll tell you what I'm really really excited to see this rotation with Carmen, Brett Carey, and Thomas Farbore. There's some serious uh, star power with that uh, that trio there.
1: Yeah, I think South Carolina fans really underestimated how big his loss was a year ago. Because obviously, like you said, Kendall. I mean, oh, yeah. you talked about Emerson Hancock. You talked about the rocker kid from Vanderbilt. I mean. The arms that you face on a on a consistent basis in the SEC. I mean, you know, granted, South Carolina did all it could. I thought Reed Morgan was heroic at times with the, the type of effort he was giving South Carolina, but just realistically, it, it's yeah. hard to win many series when you start every weekend zero and one. And again, when your guys throwing 91 and you've got. Emerson Hancock throwing 97, 98. I, you're just at a disadvantage. I mean, you just call it for what it is. I, I want to talk to you about another guy because you talked a lot about Brett Carey, very excited for him. And I, I think the thing right now that's interesting with this South kind of pitching staff is outside of Carmen Majinski being your Friday night guy, that's a given. There Really, there are a lot of roles up for grabs. One guy I want to talk to you about specifically is Danny Lloyd. I, I thought, I watched him in the fall, obviously. He made a huge jump, put on a lot of good weight. Obviously, the jump you kind of expect from freshman to sophomore year, but he put on a lot of good weight, Mm -hmm. fastball up to 95 miles an hour, got a wipeout slider. Do you see him more as a back-end, back-of-the-bullpen type guy or a starter? Because I'll tell you, I would personally – I'd like to see him in the starting rotation just because I feel like, you know, again, Kendall, talking about those big-time arms you face in the SEC, I feel like as many guys as you can have in your rotation that have the type of Mm -hmm. stuff that a Carmen has or Danny Lloyd has, I feel like it's only going to help you. But, again, I think he'd be good as a closer as well. But when you take a look at Danny Lloyd's game, just what are your thoughts on him and how big of an impact do you think he could have on this pitching staff?
2: Well, I think the biggest thing with him is, you know, I I guess the differentiator between him and, let's say, a guy like Majenski is just the ability to throw multiple pitches. I mean, if you look at kind of the scouting report on Lloyd from the fall – um, you know, that we have, you know, you, again, like you mentioned, he's up to 94, 95 with his fastball. The, the sliders are a power slider at 82, 85 with a good spin rate. I think it was around 2,500 if I remember right. Uh, and, you know, he, he, those are two really good pitches, but the problem you run into in the Southeastern conference is I'm trying to think of the last like big time starter in that league that d- didn't really have a effective, uh, an effective third pitch and was a big time starter in that league. I'm sure there's some guy I'm totally free, you know, forgetting about, but you know, I think the biggest thing for, for Danny is if he can go out there this spring, especially early on, and not only show those two pitches, you know, but go out there and throw a third pitch uh, for strikes and be effective with it, then I think, I think you're right. I think he could be a guy that can certainly move into that week in rotation. So I think the biggest thing for him is continuing to develop those pitches, especially that third pitch. If he can do that, Uh, not only can he probably be a starter, you know, at the college level, but he could probably develop into a starter at the next level as well. But there's no doubt uh, that's a big-time arm and that's a special arm, much like uh, Thomas Farr, another another newcomer.
1: Yeah, Ken, I want to move to that because you talked a lot about guys like Thomas Farr. There's a ton of new talent on this team. It's no secret Mark Kingston has gone really the Juco route to bolster up this roster. I mean, I think he was talking in his – his season opening presser, if you will, that this team's about 50, 50, I mean, returners and new guys. And again, a lot of those guys coming from the juco routes, trying to get some experienced bats in there, some experienced arms. You talked about guys like Thomas Farr, I think of Jeff Heinrich, Brendan Malone, um, you know, the Bo- uh, Bowen, uh, those guys. I mean, just talk about the addition yeah. of the grad transfers. Which guys do you think right now are some guys that, let's say you haven't gone to scrimmages or you're not in the Columbia area, um, Which are wh- what are what are a couple guys that stand out to you that maybe South Carolina fans are unfamiliar with that they're going to get to know very quickly this spring?
2: Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, I talked about, you know, Bowen and, and Beaver earlier, so I, don't, I won't dive into those guys too much. But, you know, one guy that kind of intrigues me is just kind of, reading through reports from those guys uh, over the, you know, this past fall, you know, Noah Myers is a guy that, uh, that the coaching staff's really high on. He's a really good runner, really good defender. He's a left-handed hitter, you know, with a little bit of surprising pops. So, uh, he, he is pretty intriguing to me. Um, you know, I think I saw where he stole more than 50 bases at his junior college last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's a guy – that can really change the dynamic of your lineup if it gets rolling. Um, you, just because you put so much pressure on opposing teams when, A, you're able to make contact and get on base, but, B, you can get on base and kind of make things happen with your legs. So, Manila you know, Meyer Myers seems to be a really intriguing guy to me. And, and you know, Brandon Jordan, uh, another junior college transfer, is a guy that, uh, you know, David Seifert for us, saw him at the Northwoods League last summer. Um, and he was up to 93, 94 with his fastball. Again, uh, a lot like Dana Lloyd, uh, with a uh, swing and miss slider. So uh, those are the two guys for me to kind of stand out, just kind of digging through uh, notes on these guys from the fall. Um, and certainly there'll be some other guys involved, but you know, you talk about Brandon Jordan, you know, Noah Myers, you know, the, the Bowens and the and the Beavers, and of course, Andrew Peters, another junior college transfer. Again, uh, we talked about these big arms, uh, you know, he's been up to 95, 96 with his fastball. So he's coming back from Tommy John surgery. So I don't think he's a guy that, They may, you know, they may not necessarily kind of rush him out there too much. But, again, he has an electric arm that can really help them out. And, you know, a little bit like Lloyd, you know, they have him kind of slated in that midweek starting role right now. Uh, Again, he could be one of those guys that, hey, if he gets off to a great start uh, this spring, you know, does he find his way to the rotation? So, I guess if you're South Carolina, uh, you have a good problem to have, I guess I would Mm -hmm. say. Uh, You've got – four, five, six really, really nice pitching options, which honestly, last year I didn't really think was the case. So that that is an automatic step up.
1: Yeah, I think – I agree with you. I think this team top to bottom, the biggest the, – the best problem it has is there's a ton of depth, and there's a ton of guys battling for a limited yeah. number of spots for sure. I, I want to talk about, again, sticking with the lineup, some guys, some of the returners. Um, Obviously, this team a year ago was very interesting, Kendall, because – This team absolutely tore up non-conference pitching. It it tore it up. It (laughs) tore up ACC pitching, but it's a different animal in the SEC. We know that, the type of arms you face. But this team was very power-focused, a lot of home runs. And, you know, Mark Kingston's made it no secret. Listen, he's a big analytics guy. He knows that, you know, there's – South kind of baseball is power. Power is South kind of baseball. It's always been since the Ray Tanner days. It's funny, you know, talk about Ray Tanner. One of the biggest things his philosophy was: uh, singles clog up the bases. They like to hit home runs. Founders Park can become a launching pad, especially when you get later in the oh, season yeah. and it warms up a little bit and get the wind blowing out to right. I mean, it's a lot of fun out there. But when you take a look at some of the returners, I'm talking the Brady Allens, the Andrew Isters. When you look at this lineup, I mean, what yeah. are you expecting as a whole? I don't think by any means it's the best lineup in the SEC or anything, but Can this team, some of these guys that were first-year guys a year ago, because I think, like, for your lineup, I think Andrew Eister absolutely needs to have a big year. He's a home run type guy. He needs to improve Mm -hmm. and have a big year, hit over 300, hit double-digit homers. I think Brady Allen can honestly do the same. Wes Clark, I think, is a real polished hitter now. When you take a look at this lineup, like, what are your overall takeaways? Do you think they'll be so power-focused again, and can they carry that into SEC play this year?
2: Well, I think the biggest thing is getting some consistency from some of these guys. You're right. A couple of guys you mentioned, you know, again, kind of mentioning Beaver and and Bowen, uh, getting those two guys in the program certainly helps. You talk about from a power and a production standpoint. But, you know, I look at at Brady Allen and Wes Clark as two guys that that could be, you know, total breakout candidates. I mean, you're looking at Brady Allen, uh, certainly a guy that can help for for power. He had a nice summer at the Northwoods League. But, again, you look back at last year, so he hit, hit around uh, 210. You know, Wes Clark, mm-hmm. again, a guy that has big-time power, had a great summer at the Valley League. But, again, he hit 239 last year. So, a lot of strikeouts, so thing, too. A lot of
1: strikeouts. Yeah,
2: exactly. Right. Yeah, so the biggest thing is, like, those two guys plus Noah Campbell. Like, if you can get Noah Campbell kind of back on track, and you can get, let's say, those two guys. Wes Clark, for instance, has big power. Uh, and, you know, he had one home run last year. So, mm-hmm. if you can get those three guys, to, let's just say they hit 280. Like I'm not even asking them to hit 300. <laughs> yeah. If those three guys can hit 280, when you look at the rest of that lineup, all of a sudden, man, that lineup becomes really becomes really productive, uh, and by the way, pretty powerful. So I think the biggest thing is just get those guys to be a little bit more consistent. I'm not I'm not saying they need to be great every night out. They just need to be better.
1: Yeah, you speaking on Wes Clark, I, I'm sure you guys were at it, but the uh, the scrimmage against Georgia Tech, I mean, he had a home run. He hit the dead center field yeah. that you kind of step back and we're just like, whoa, like this, <laughs> this guy's got some power. I, I really like his approach now. He seems like a more professional hitter, if you will, a lot more comfortable with his approach, yeah. what he's trying to do at the plate. Uh, let, let's move into just overall for this team, uh, Kendall. When you take a look, obviously, you take a look at the schedule. It is very tough. We know how loaded the SEC mm-hmm. is. What would you say to South Carolina fans? What should the realistic expectations be? Because, again, there needs to be improvement. At South Carolina, at a place like this, there is no excuse for missing the postseason. I'm one that believes that you should absolutely make the postseason every single year. You've got the fan support. You've got the facilities. You're bringing in the talent. No questions asked. That should be the bare minimum that you do. But what should the realistic expectations be for this South Carolina fan base of this program this year?
2: Well, I think realistic expectation is to at least be in the mix, in the discussion for regional hosts. I'm not saying that I, – I, it's going to be a tough one uh, to, to hosting a regional. They'll probably run running twos. The SEC is probably going to get only five or six. And uh, I don't know about you, but if you look at the our top 25, it's going to be tough to get in that top five or six. So, uh, you know, I guess being at least in the discussion uh, would be a big win for this team. But I think realistically, uh, I think being a two-seed somewhere – uh, is where this team probably wound up, uh, and that's not a bad thing. Like I, I get it. Like you know, you guys are you know, in South Carolina fans are accustomed to hosting. They're accustomed to getting the College series. Series, uh, but but it's kind of what you know. You know, like they say, it's like baby steps They're Like hey, we had a bad year. Let's let's find a way to get to the postseason. Let's find a way to be a two seed somewhere. Let's go somewhere that we have a chance to win that regional. Uh, and I and I call that a pretty good season. I think this team overall. Uh, and, and again, I. I'm kind of going back to the conference as a whole, but the problem you run into is if you threw like South Carolina in another conference, they might be a a pretty good shot to be a regional host, but it's just going to be very difficult in this league. So I think for me, if I'm being very realistic when I look at not only the team but also the league, uh, I would say a 2 seed and a regional makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, Kendall, I agree with you 100%. I, I've got South Carolina, and you kind of answered my question. But I, I've got South Carolina right now as a, probably a 34-35 win team, really floating around yeah. you know, 15-15, and 16-14 15, in the SEC. Kendall, just give me your brief. I know you guys already put it out, your conference preview, and you guys have South Carolina finishing fourth in the SEC East. And like you said, it's just crazy because if South Carolina's in any other conference, <laughs> I mean, they're probably getting picked to win the division. But when you're facing Georgia, Florida's yeah. probably going to bounce back. Vanderbilt, I mean, it's just – those are some <laughs> battles that you go, You got to go on the road to LSU. Yeah. you got to play Mississippi State, stuff like that. But just give me really quickly your SEC outlook and your overall prediction for this season for South Carolina.
2: Boy, I'll tell you what, I just love this league. Uh, I feel like it's every single season I'm more impressed by this league. But, uh, you know, you look at the East Division with, you know, Vandy, Florida, and Georgia, you know, all being top ten teams. You know, South Carolina being fourth behind those three teams. I think even Missouri and Tennessee are going to be solid clubs in the East. Uh, Missouri, of course, can't make the the postseason or the the conference tournament uh, mm. because of the NCA stuff. But at the you know Missouri with Ian Bedell on the mound, I think they're going to be really solid on the mound. Uh, I think you look at the West Division where we talk about Murderer's Row. Uh, you know, six teams from that division ranked in our top 25. Alabama, I think I was mentioning this earlier, but even Alabama, I've heard from some scouts, uh, is much improved this season as well. So again, I think this is a a league that's going to get 10 or 11 teams in the postseason. And, uh, boy, it's going to be an absolute war every single weekend, as, as it always is. But, uh, you know, I think for South Carolina, you know, I kind of go back to that, that last – I think it was the last – or was next to last game against LSU – uh, in the conference tournament last year, mm. you know, I, I kind of looked at that game as like a snapshot of like what could be this year. Because if you remember back in that game, like South Carolina, they, I think they ended up losing that game, mm. but they actually played really well. And, yep. and who was the one guy that looked really good in that game? Noah Campbell. And yep. so, like, I just kind of wonder if maybe the way they played there kind of is a little, a little bit of a snapshot of what we might be able to, uh, might can expect this year. So I think overall for me, I'm kind of with you. I think I, I think I'm in that middle that middle 30s uh, mark uh, as a probably a, you know a two seed somewhere. I, I don't again I don't see this team finishing in the top six uh, of this league. But again, like that's not a slap in the face. That's a this is a crazy crazy good league this year. So I think mid 30s wins number two seed in the regional, and it would not shock me at all, especially with this pitching talent, to see these guys not only make a regional uh, but get there and win one. Yeah,
1: Kendall, you speak on this league. It's so funny. Everyone's South Carolina played Georgia last year. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, when did Georgia get three guys that throw 98 miles an hour? I was like, because I mean, I'm kind of like you, like, I'm, I never thought of Georgia being a baseball powerhouse, if you will, anything like that. Yeah. And they just explode last year. I'm like, it's- you know, you got Hancock and you got the, and you're like, dude, like what in the world? Like, <laughs> three dudes throwing well, I mean- like how are you in college?
2: Yeah, it's like I was talking to our staff the other day, and we were talking about Georgia's rotation. And you know, you look at Emerson Hancock; it's kind of the guy that everybody talks about. But you know, their Sunday guy, Cole Wilcox. Um, you know, I thought Aaron Fitt with our, with D1 Baseball, you know, in our discussion, made a great comp with him. Like he he kind of reminds some people like uh, Garrett Cole. Like Cole Wilcox is not a finished product, but he's a well-built kid who will literally bump ninety-nine to a hundred at times, and so. You know, when you're a Sunday 99, you're in pretty good shape.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Kendall Rogers with D1Baseball.com. Last question, Kendall, and I'll get you out of here. You've already sure. mentioned a couple of the names. but When you take a look at this South Carolina team, if you had to pick one guy that you thought maybe people aren't expecting a lot of them that you think is going to have a breakout season this year for South Carolina, who would it be?
2: You know, I think I'd go back to probably the not-so-popular pick, uh, or the, probably the very popular pick, actually, sorry, uh, is Noah Campbell. You know, I think he's a guy that last year in a in a draft year, which, you know, granted it was, uh, you know, he had, a, he had still had some leverage, but it was a draft year for him. Uh, I just think when you look at that year and the way it went, I, I think he probably learned a lot of lessons from it. Uh, you know, don't get too high, don't get too low, don't stress out about things. And I think now that he's kind of had a, you know, time for that year to digest, uh, I think he gets back to more of what we kind of expected from him. And I'm not going to sit here and say – hey, I think this guy's going to hit 360. But I absolutely think Noah Campbell can go out there and hit 300, 310, uh, and hit double-digit home runs in our league. So I think for me, I think Noah Campbell's kind of the X factor. He's not the the X factor to the extent to where, like, last year, it was like if he didn't have a good year, the whole lineup didn't seem to have a good year. And so I look at this year as kind of him kind of being the guy that can be uh, the table setter for this lineup. But overall – Man, I, I, I like these guys on paper. It, it's kind of funny when we were talking about our top 25 rankings. Uh, my my initial thought was like, I'm not sure, you know, I'm going to like these guys too much. But as I just kind of dug into them and dug into them, I'm like, hey, man, like, these guys are going to be pretty good. So uh, I, I, I guess my overall thought is like I get how South Carolina fans are frustrated. Uh, there's no doubt this team needs to be a lot better. If this team, for instance, you know, somehow didn't make the postseason. I was going to say they didn't win 35 games. Uh, it would be a red flag for me uh, because there's no reason why this team uh, should not be in the postseason this year, and I'd be shocked if they aren't.
1: Yeah, couldn't agree more. I, I'm really excited as well. You speaking on Noah Campbell? I think him and Noah Myers at the top of that lineup could be uh, could be really, really deadly, yeah, setting up for the setting up for the big bats. He's Kendall Rogers at d1baseball.com. Kendall, appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Really excited for Opening Day, and uh, hopefully we'll get to do it again soon.
2: You got it, guys. Be good. Perfect. So
1: for Kendall Rogers, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on an episode of the Spurs.